Welcome back to the Green Element podcast, where we feature business leaders and innovators transforming their operations to be more environmentally and socially sustainable. I'm your host, Will Richardson, and I can't wait to meet our guest today and help you on your journey of sustainability. Today, we've got John from Bracken. He runs a business that helps you switch to renewables really, really easily. If you're a small business, small business, uh, then you can switch to renewables. And he's the process that you go through. He has it's all about behaviour change and communications for him. And working in the industry, I totally get it. And yes, he's absolutely right. And then, of course, residential. And if you're living in a house, which on the whole most people do live in um, houses or flats, then you should be buying renewables. And he makes it really easy for you to be able to buy renewables. You may have heard of the big clean switch and that's Bracken and they were the people behind that. And I hope you really enjoy the podcast. Thank you very much for subscribing. John, welcome to the Green Element podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We know each other through WhatsApp groups and online. Wow, there you go. That's the age we're living in now. We've met each other online. Nice to actually see your face, if only virtually. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking about what you do. And on that note, I will let you introduce yourself. Uh, thank you. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm John Fletcher, the co-founder and managing director of Bracken, which is a B Corp that helps homes and businesses switch to renewable electricity. Brilliant. And it would be great to explore what that is and how that works and the process that you have to go through for that, because that is a massive part of how we're going to shift to a more sustainable economy, isn't it? And we've seen the prices of renewables dropping, and it's because more and more people are shifting that way. And we all know the subsidisation is rampant in the fossil fuel industry and not so rampant in the renewable sector. So we are going to have to be doing it ourselves. If I was a business, could you take us through how it works and what, yeah, how you do it? Yeah. So I suppose to take a big picture of the whole business, my background is in behavior change. And fundamentally, what we're trying to do is unblock behavioral barriers to people making decisions that help the environment around their energy procurement. And broadly speaking, they're the same for businesses and homes. There is a sense that renewable energy is going to cost them a lot, which uh, is no longer the case, even with those fossil fuel subsidy discrepancies uh, included. There is a sense that switching energy in general is going to be just too much hassle. And then there is a general distrust in the energy sector. And we've created the brands within Bracken to specifically address those issues. It works slightly differently with the commercial energy switching that we do because There's a little bit more complexity in the commercial market, so we have to be a bit more hands-on. We function through what looks much more like a traditional commercial energy brokerage, but only working with suppliers of 100% renewable electricity and go out of our way to make the process of switching, identifying a supplier, understanding exactly what the differences are between different renewable tariffs, and then actually making the switch as easy as possible. And then the same applies really on the domestic side, the key difference being a lot of that process is automated and we've worked very hard on trying to create a customer experience that makes it as easy as possible. Would you call yourself an energy broker? (laughs) 
then? We would on the commercial side, yeah. I think we probably are close, more closely aligned with if you were trying to put us into an existing parcel uh, price comparison site on the domestic okay. side. Um, but yeah, we're, we're not particularly um, concerned with the, <laughs> the the labels. I think, you know, we are what we are. And yeah, energy broker and price comparison site probably sums it up. Right. Okay. Brilliant. And are there any companies that you think are the shining light of renewables? Do you mean suppliers? Yeah, suppliers. <laughs> Um, I think there are uh, a whole host of inspiring supply, and I'm not just saying that and sort of sitting on the fence. Um, one of the questions that we get, I'll come back and answer that in a second, but just to kind of loop round, one of the questions that we get asked a lot by our customers is which supplier is the best? And the actual answer to that depends very much on your individual preferences as a consumer, because the detail of the renewable offerings of each supplier and the ways in which they help the environment vary in numerous ways and just to give you an example of that um good energy and ecotricity two of the kind of stalwarts of the renewable energy space good energy has invested huge amounts in really supporting community energy in the uk they plow uh, huge amounts of money into both building originally and now buying electricity from community suppliers ecotricity on the other hand has invested hugely in the uk uh, electric vehicle charging network and still owns quite a lot of their own generation sites and which of those balance out as being better or worse for the environment depends very much on your own personal preference as much as it, it's very hard to quantify them in, in ways that make them comparable. So what we've done with the work that we do was to say what people need is a, a clear cut distinction that says all of these suppliers and tariffs are good and anything that's not in this list is bad. And Beyond that, we can allow them to make their own decisions if they want to. But one of the barriers, as I was going back to earlier, was in, around this perception of hassle, was just a sense that the whole world is too complex. And so our goal has been to take the pain away and to just have a very binary, this is green and this isn't. And I think some of the work we're, we've got ongoing is for those customers who do want the greater level of detail, making that available without putting everyone else off. Um, but in terms of quantifying which supplier is sort of standing out uh, to go back to your original question it, it does come down to personal perspective yeah, I, I can see that i can see that i'm an ecotricity um person but dale vince uh, literally it's because of dale vince it's not even because of the it is because of the company actually and what they do and i just love that maverick style of running a business and pushing you know the vegan football team and um, now he's got his own food company and the fact that he converted his portion to an electric you know just i love i love all that um and the fact that he doesn't look like a managing director of a massive corporation <laughs> that's it and, and he's done so much that's different and uh i think that's that kind of that highlights the point exactly because you know I, I, you, you could equally pull out some of the newer brands like octopus who uh, I think are unashamed about their goal of trying to get into kind of everyone's homes uh, and the technological investment that they are embarking upon in order to make that happen is going to have such a transformative uh, effect on the way that we consume and sort of even sell energy uh, within our own homes. Um, it's, it becomes very difficult to kind of pick one out so again. what are they what are they doing what what is octopus doing a huge amount in uh of investment in things like uh electric vehicle tariffs and time of use charging um they have been trying to lead the way in terms of some of their export tariffs which will replace some of the 
uh, previous sub subsidies they were for home solar. Um, so, so that we move to a stage where homes stop being consumers of energy from the grid and start being almost uh, both generation sites and batteries within a grid infrastructure, which allows the grid to be run more efficiently and homes to be run more efficiently. Um, and they're really um, sort of uh, leading the way along, along with some other kind of examples of uh, uh, in that space. Uh, and I think they're exciting for that reason. And, you know, you could pick out a couple of other suppliers that are ex exciting for different reasons again. So I think um, uh, overall, I guess, the conclusion is that there is an enormous amount to be positive about in the renewable energy space at the moment and a lot of reasons to really get excited about it. And what are your thoughts on companies? Because you've got companies that only buy renewables. Is there a place for, or should they be investing money into their profits back into renewables in order to grow it? Because um, there is a thought that what they're doing is they're just taking what renewables is out there and then just making money off the renewables when actually what we really need is aggressive um, re, you know, investments into renewables in order to grow renewables. Uh, so I, I didn't know this was going to come up this soon. But no, you know, I honestly didn't. <laughs> I, you no, said no, let's I, let's go by flying. I'm like, okay. <laughs> it, it, it it always comes up. So uh, fundamentally, what you're talking about is uh, it tends to get badged under Rigos or renewable energy guarantees of origin, which are the certificates that are given to renewable energy generators every time they put a unit a megawatt of renewable power into the grid and uh there has been criticism of those uh, the use of those certificates because suppliers will buy electricity on the wholesale market which is the cheapest way of buying electricity and then go and buy a matching number of regos from renewable electricity generators fundamentally our position is that the most important thing for us as a consumer is that every unit of electricity that we take out of the grid is matched by an equivalent unit of renewable electricity going into the grid. And that is exactly the function that Rigos perform. And the kind of logical test that you can place is, uh, well, if every house was on a renewable, was on a Rigo-backed tariff, that would mean that all of the electricity that was being taken out of the grid by those houses had to be backed by renewable electricity going into the grid. Therefore, the grid has to be 100% green. Okay. Okay. The, dif the difficulty with Rigos, uh, well, not, not the difficulty, but uh, the reason that people often level criticism at them, is that because for such a long time, uh, government efforts to increase the amount of renewable capacity in the UK actually outstripped consumer demand, the amount of renewable electricity going into the grid um, has significantly exceeded the demand. And so the, the value of a Rego has been almost negligible because not enough people were buying Rego back power. And we find it quite frustrating that an argument that's deployed against Rigos uh, is that they're too, they cost too little, so you should avoid buying them because they make it easy for renewable suppliers to, to green their energy, when in fact what we need to be doing is the opposite and catching up that gap between the supply and demand so that the value of Rigos goes up and they start acting in the way they were intended as a market driver. Okay. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the other kind of aspect to that conversation is the alternative to Rigos is where a supplier purchases their, purchase their electricity directly from a generator through something called a power purchase agreement. 
Um, and that does have the advantage of meaning that they're not purchasing through the wholesale market so that you know that every penny that you spend on your bill is going to a renewable electricity generator. But the challenge is that at the moment, those uh, direct uh, relationships in terms of purchasing uh, are much more inflexible and therefore expensive in terms of the overall market. Mm. And this is where our other philosophical kind of difference with people who critique Rigos comes in. It is our belief that our overarching goal has to be to get to 100% renewable as quickly as we can. And if we're to use uh, market demand as a driver for that, we need everyone to be on renewable electricity tariffs. And the challenge with the 100% PPA-backed tariffs is that they're very expensive and therefore they're only the preserve of the well-off. Um, and, it, uh, you know, both in terms of environmental and more broad uh, social uh, goals, I find the, the notion that we should uh, employ a, a degree of... Uh, philosophical purity over this that effectively disenfranchises vast numbers of people from being able to switch to a renewable supplier and have an impact in terms of driving the sector forwards. I find that kind of quite distasteful. So uh, hence why we're big fans of mm. we go back to tariffs. Yeah, no, no, we are as well. Um, but let's, um, I, what I'd like to do is just kind of go back a second and, um, what I was really wanting to ask on that question was that you've got companies that only buy renewables and they don't make renewables as opposed to say good energy and ecotricity that actually do make renewables. Is it, is it a good thing that we can buy and I really, like bulb or octopus do, do octopus make renewables? No. So I think um, ecotricity is one of the only suppliers possibly uh, green energy uk uh, but one of the only supply and actually some of the the, the big six um, that actually owns their own generating capacity i think right. good energy sold most of theirs now um I, from a I, I i don't think it matters but i think it, it okay. probably not i think my the parallel that i always come back to is a grocery market where um you wouldn't expect a retailer to also be growing the produce. Yeah. Retailers are great at retail and farmers are great at farming. And there's no reason to expect both to be good at both. And also what, what it takes to be a good retailer or supplier is very different to what it takes to be a good generator. Gen generation is hugely capital intensive and takes five to 10 years in sort of lead times. As a supplier of energy, you can't possibly hope to plan out your um sourcing of power in that way because mm -hmm. you know you're aiming to grow your customer base over months or years rather than you know five to ten years so um, i'm not sure it's realistic for us to expect suppliers in general to be uh, generators of energy as well as um resellers of energy um, oh, but i'm also not sure that it's kind of the right answer yeah, no, that's really interesting. Really interesting, and I've never, I've never actually thought about it like that because um, I've never, I've never thought about it from the grocery point of view. And you're absolutely right. You wouldn't expect Tesco's to be growing all their own vegetables. No, um, and, and I mean it plays back to that wholesale point I was making as as well in respect of you don't expect every shop you go into to have direct relationships with farmers mm. because that would mean that they were 
there was huge wastage in the system. They were having to effectively, everyone was overbuying in order to make sure they had enough stock uh, on a colossal scale. And the same inflexibility occurs in the energy market. Wholesale markets create the ability to flatten out supply and demand and reduce wastage, and that reduces cost. So whilst we still have a proportion of the electricity uh, in the UK supplied by fossil fuels, and we hope that's you know going to be for as little time as possible, then um, for those fossil fuels to be part of the wholesale electricity market is just a fact of life. But the wholesale electricity market shouldn't be criticised for that because it's playing a fundamental role. Yeah, I've got... I've got that great Android app that shows you exactly what's going on with, I think it's, it's definitely on iOS as well, that shows you exactly what's going on with the electricity at that moment in time. You, you must, you, you'll know it. Um, yes, I, I mean, there's, uh, I'm not sure of the exact app, but there's a, there's a really great site that WWF developed with the national grid that shows you the uh, kind of, carbon intensity of the electricity that's being generated in your particular region of the UK at one time. And I think those tools are really great at bringing that to life. Yeah. And it's, um, but what's always surprises me is that you've got that percentage of um, energy that is nuclear. It's actually less coal now, but it's either nuclear or biomass or gas. Yeah. And usually gas or nuclear. And it's usually about 20 or 30% um, of the market on the whole that, and I wonder how we can, and I'm not asking, you know, how, how are we going to solve the world's problems? But like, you know, your industry and you know, your market really well. Do you see us being able to get out of that um, base load um, more easily or, you know, I, yeah, 100%, but it's going to take a, a lot of different levers. I mean, I sort of be- believe wholeheartedly that um, s- sourcing our, uh, effectively our fuel directly from the sun rather than it sourcing our fuel, the sun via being buried in the ground for a million years, just inherently makes more sense. And, um, you know, philosophically, we, we have to be able to get there. Um, I think the mechanisms for achieving that are very varied. So, um, and you're not just talking about electricity either. You're also talking about uh, sort of other forms of energy, such as heat. Um, I think some of the measures I mentioned in relation to octopus earlier are around using technology to redistribute when demand and supply is required is a really fundamental part of that. Because if we can get away from this situation where there are certain times of the day where the grid has enormous strain placed upon it and other times of the day where there's very little... Um, we can start to link that uh, through storage to the times of the day when renewables may or may not be generating more. Um, I think demand reduction is another huge component, which you know isn't linked to electricity generation per se, but um, we, we have to find ways of reducing the amount that we consume, uh, as well as moving what we do consume over to renewable sources. Um, and then on the heat side, things like switching over to uh, lower carbon forms like hydrogen away from natural gas. Um, will almost certainly be a part of the solution. And that, you know, there it's frustrating. We're not making greater progress in terms of some of the pilots that are uh, being rolled out in the UK. It's such an interesting market, isn't it? And I guess we don't really know what it's going to look like. I mean, you've just brought in three, four different strands and elements that are going to 
catastrophically change the energy markets you know that the energy storage and um where where we're getting it and how we're using it and what we're using um it's it's interesting <laughs> it, it, it is from someone who's focuses squarely on consumer behavior i think one of the most challenging and fascinating areas and also one area that we're kind of in the process of working on new products with is uh it's all very well to know that this incredibly sophisticated technology is inevitably going to arrive but the question is who is going to translate that into language that consumers can understand and deploy in their own homes um and the answer probably in truth lies in taking away as much of the work and complexity for them as possible and just giving them the end result which is that they're warm and they're comfortable um but i think that's one of the big challenges that we have going forward is a how all of this stuff starts to operate together and then b how ever that gets conveyed to consumers in a way that they understand what it is that they're buying yeah yeah the um it's great it's um so how how did you get into like, how did you get into this naively <laughs> brilliant um so i was lucky enough to uh start working with a great organization called purpose uh who are based out of the us uh, they're effective they call themselves movement generators um and they'd won a pot of money from the ikea foundation to look at how they could accelerate consumer action on climate in the run-up to the paris 2015 agreement and uh, in the UK, we started casting around to look at where we could make a difference and uh, renewable energy seemed to be a good point because most people thought it was really expensive when in fact renewable electricity tariffs were competing with some of the cheaper tariffs on the market. Um, and the take-up of renewable, renewable tariffs uh, at that point was incredibly low. I mean, it's uh, grown quite a lot since then um, in, in, in no small part of the growth of some of the newer... 100% renewable um, but uh, it felt as though it was a really good starting point and also a really good jumping off point to start talking about the other changes that people can make in their lives because uh, saving someone two to three hundred pounds on their energy bills which is what we save on average is a really good point to start talking to them about some of the other things changes that they could be making so um, we started setting up Big Clean Switch which is the domestic switching brand that runs under Bracken uh, and that has evolved to where we are today. It's um, and you've done really, really well with it, haven't you? You've you've got a huge amount of take up with the big um, clean switch. I mean, how did that how did that come about? And what's what was the what was the idea behind it? Yeah, so I mean, in, I, I guess uh, everyone's always uh, frustrated by their own progress. Uh, we we'd certainly. Uh, want to be further ahead than where we are right now but the bulk of our progress to date has been we had a notion that because people distrust the energy market so much um working in partnership with big organizations uh, and almost using their authenticity and their voice to talk to people about switching to renewables um would be a more effective means of having that conversation than just blowing ourselves into the energy supply market like any other energy supply business. Um, I think we were right to a degree. Uh, we, in the partnerships that we've run, have had much greater uh, penetration into audiences that were previously disengaged with the energy market um, than other forms of uh, energy switching. But 
it, it is a challenge to build those relationships with partners. And so I, I guess we've moved, even though I think uh, you're right that we're incredibly proud of our track record. We work with companies like uh, Ikea, Ben & Jerry's, WWF, Tesco's. Um, we would like to be further ahead than we are. And, and one of the things we're doing at the moment is starting to explore uh, opening up new channels that where we can talk directly to uh, consumers as well as working through those partnerships but yeah we we've we've come an incredibly long way and we're very lucky and privileged to to work with some incredible organizations no it's brilliant um, there's absolute it's amazing what you've done absolutely amazing what you guys have done and how 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 big is your team and um are you stretched around the uk or are you focused on um you focused in particular um area of the uk uh, stretched, I think, is a good word. Um, <laughs> really long, uh, there are five of us. We're split between uh, Bournemouth uh, and London um, for reasons that are very dull and <laughs> complex. <laughs> um, uh, although uh, it's a great boon because it meant that uh, I got to go down to Bournemouth last weekend and cycle along the seafront, which uh, was good for my well-being. Um, uh, <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, as well as getting a hell of a lot done. Um, yeah, so we're, we're a very small team. Uh, I think that's another sort of thing that I'm very proud of, that we've, that we've remained incredibly lean whilst uh, achieving a great deal. It means you're giving, you're giving a lot more back, doesn't it? You're able to do a lot more. It does, yeah. I, I think, um, yeah, you always want to do more than you are, but uh, I think the, um, we're at a really exciting Point in terms of the business uh, you know in being boring a lot of the underlying processes and systems that have built up on an ad hoc basis are being hauled into line with, with sort of growing up as a business and I think that's putting us in a really good position just at a time when uh, the world is crying out for the things that we do so um, I'm really excited about where we go next. And do, do you have um, many of our listeners will be businesses and organizations um it is it easy to um buy energy through you and um is it i mean is is the sign up is it as easy as the big um, green switch was or um you know how can our listeners work with you so i mean uh I would I would hate it if they sort of tried to switch to us and found the answer was no on the easy question because you know we, <laughs> that's one of our starting principles. So um, that it, it would it would be a sad day. The the, the overall process in terms of businesses uh, is slightly more complex because we need them to give us permission to go and get some data from their existing suppliers. Um, and uh, the energy market is so archaic that that tends to be a bit of a, um, a oh it's horrendous. It's absolutely yeah. horrendous. Letter of authority. Bane of, exactly. of our yeah. lives and every energy company wants it to be written slightly differently as well exactly and they'll pick <laughs> out uh, anything they can to sort of render it invalid because they know that that is the start of the process of them losing the customer um and uh, so that that can slow it down but you know we're well versed in <laughs> the uh, vagaries of uh, the demands of the energy suppliers and so therefore can make that as easy as uh, as easy as possible we've got you know templates and things we can used to streamline it once that's happened it's a much more conventional uh exercise in um we go away and get the quotes for you come back tell you um what's the cheapest on the commercial side we're slightly less uh, stringent in the uh, criteria that we apply to the renewable tariffs than we are on the domestic just because uh companies 
often operate under very different circumstances. And uh, if it's a choice between, for example, um, switching them to a biomass backed tariff or not switching them to a renewable tariff at all, then uh, I would prefer to switch them to a biomass tariff. Uh, but we will explain when we provide the costs to you uh, exactly what the difference is between the different tariffs so that you can make an informed choice. Uh, and then the other thing we do, uh, which businesses that work with us love, uh, is help them to shout about it to their customers and employees once they've made the switch, because that's obviously as important as actually making the change in itself is uh, using your role as an influencer to try and uh, encourage the change elsewhere. And one of the things that we get most positive feedback over is just a very simple window sticker that works a little bit like um, a... Uh, uh, TripAdvisor sticker. Um, we do a different colour one every year that just says uh, "Proudly spot- powered by 100% renewable electricity" in 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, so on. Um, and uh, we get a really positive response to that. That's brilliant. That's great. And how do you? I mean, do you, as from an environmental management point of view, um, do you run your business um, sustainably? It'd be weird if you answered no to this, actually. It would, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we fly everywhere. It's brilliant. I fly from London to Bournemouth on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah, so, um, we, yeah. Uh, no, we, we um, have fairly strict policies in place around uh, flying. Um, we had to... Um, one of our partners was covering our travel costs for me to get to Edinburgh recently, and uh, we, we had to kind of push back fairly firmly against their third-party... Uh, travel booker uh, who was desperate to put us on a plane when we were <laughs> asking when we were going to take a train. Um, so yeah, certainly travel is part of that. Um, recording and measuring the, the travel and making sure we make sustainable choices. I think tied into that, um, we have a, a soft version of what's kind of the um, climate perks approach, where um, wherever, wherever possible, we will create additional time for people to work. Uh, in transit so that they can take slower forms of transport uh, for their holidays as well as uh, for business purposes. Um, Other areas, it's a bit difficult for us because as a small business, and I know this is in common with many others, uh, as a small business that occupies a co-working spaces, we um, do find it difficult to influence the uh, spaces that we're working in, in terms of everything from energy use to uh, waste and resources. Uh, but we do what we can, and uh, we are making slow inroads into switching one of the uh, sites that our offices are based in. Um, but yeah, when you're when you don't have control over those decisions, it's a slightly harder, harder, harder piece of the puzzle. It is really hard. We um that that's whole small business and what impact they can have um, within co-working spaces comes up a lot, and I think it is it is a really hard um question and what can what can you do and i i there's actually a business out there uh i think to bring together those small businesses um in some kind of app or software to help influence the co-working space owners yeah i, I totally I, agree. I, I don't know what that business is because it's but and i don't know who that business is but i actually think there is a it comes up quite a lot exactly what you've just said and it's but it's that sphere of influence isn't it and if you had everyone in that co-working space going we only want to buy renewables then they're much more likely to do it 
maybe we should uh, maybe we should make this happen, Will, because I mean we um we did a bit of research with uh, Edie and the RE100 um, back in last sort of autumn uh, to inform a report into this at the kind of larger business end of the spectrum um, that really was trying to demonstrate the level of frustration that even large businesses are facing with commercial landlords in uh, engaging them in both getting accurate energy data but also switching to renewables installation of ev charging etc etc um it's almost more acute i think at the small business end of the scale because this it's so much more diffuse and i agree that some mechanism for demonstrating the aggregation of demand to uh both landlords and some of the co-working space owners would be a very valuable asset. We occasionally get asked by our customers to provide them with kind of a, a standard letter template that sets out the reasons very simply why a landlord should switch um, and some of those other tools. So I think, you know, there's room to, to, to provide support there as well. But yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's an area of great frustration for an awful lot of businesses. I've actually come up with a number of ideas um, listening and talking to you. I think we should, I wouldn't mind furthering this conversation because actually <laughs> today I was writing an a workshop for small businesses on how to reduce their impacts for the future and um well that is i'm sure there's a a space there but it's got i didn't bring energy really into it because it was about the impacts of the business i'm not going to go into it but um oh yeah no brilliant that sounds exciting um great so well thanks so much for um talking to us today it's been it's so. I think that it's an area that people just don't know huge amounts about energy, and it is so complicated. It is so complicated, and it is changing and has changed massively. Um, I set up a wind turbine cooperative back in 2002. Wow! And I remember talking to Ofgem and saying what I was planning on doing, and the lady that I spoke to turned around and said, "Oh, you're going to find that really hard." why because energy comes from the north (laughs) and i was like oh right so you can't have um pockets of people making energy Mm. no the energy structure the way that it's the um structure is set up the grid it just it will that's really hard it is changing but it is really hard and look at us 15 years on or over 15 years on um how different it is now and how much it has changed um you know i think that's a really lovely point to end on because uh you know a lot of us in the climate space get pretty freaked out by the state of things at the moment but i think uh it's worth reflecting that huge amounts of change is happening very fast and it's getting faster um, and I do think we have it within our grasp to be able to make the difference. Uh, I think we just need more people like yourself who are willing to take the leap and pioneer and uh, demonstrate that things aren't as hard as they may once have looked. Yeah, no, no, they aren't. And there's an awful lot of positivity um, out there, I think. And yeah, it's good. It's good. Well, thank you so much, John, for today. And thanks for being on the podcast. My pleasure. <laughs> take care. 
Thank you so much for listening to the end of this episode of the Green Element Podcast. Do take a moment and share this with your friends and colleagues and rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'd love to know what has been your biggest takeaway from this conversation. What are you going to do differently? Please share your thoughts across social media and tag us so we can see them too, at GE underscore podcast. For links and show notes for this episode, visit our website, greenelement.co.uk forward slash podcast. Thank you again. I hope you will join me on the next episode and together we can help create a better world. Thank you.